Welcome to Food and Loathing, the podcast that gives you a peek behind the curtain at the life of a Las Vegas food writer or two and shows you that <laughs> surprise, 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 we eat a lot. <laughs> But we like to do it in such a way that helps you decide where you may want to eat yourself, not eat yourself, where you yourself may want to eat. That was some grammatical. Yeah, clarifying Uh, that is important. It is important. Do not eat yourself. (laughs) None of you. I mean, we're not that desperate. We're not stuck in a submarine at the bottom of the (laughs) That's right. Um, Anyway, we we just want to let you know where you want to be eating here in Las Vegas. I'm your host, Al Mancini, trying my best to make this little exercise of ours both fun and educational. To do that, I like to surround myself with the top food experts in Las Vegas, and nobody keeps the show more interesting and informative (laughs) than my co-host. You know her writing from offthestrip.com, where she covers everything delicious in Las Vegas. I can only be speaking of Samantha Gemini Stevens. Hello, Gemini. How are you today? I am fantastic. I am loving our little space today. Yes, everyone. If you hear it's just a little noisy and a little bustly in the background, that's what we call ambiance in the podcasting right. business. <laughs> um, we are here today at Carson Kitchen in downtown Las Vegas, the place that honestly... Um, helped put Carson Avenue on the map long before Fremont East um, Restaurant Row on Carson Avenue had really developed. I mean, this, this well, we're going to get into that. We'll talk all about why this place is so important and why it's so near and dear to our heart very shortly. We're going to be joined by, um, by the chef and um, by an executive from Carson Kitchen momentarily. So stay tuned for all of that. But first, I'm, you notice I'm a little discombobulated. They keep sitting food down in front I know, of me. I'm getting super <laughs> excited here. I mean, we got venison tacos, which I already took a little bite yep, out of. Yep, are, I had to do that. Yeah, and also, man, this these snap Ooh, peas that she set down with a little bit of mint. The julep thing? Yeah, it's like <laughs> it, it's served in the way that edamame would be served, but they're actually segmented snap peas, a little bit of mint on top, and a really, really creative, really good dish, the kind of stuff that we've come to expect from Carson Kitchen Absolutely. after all these years. And so. I heard bourbon, so automatically my ears perked up. Bourbon, bourbon. <laughs> Who's got the bourbon? Uh, but before we dig deep into what's going on at Carson Kitchen, we always begin the show by trying to make you jealous. I mean, hungry. With tales <laughs> of where we've been eating since last we spoke. And for that, I'm going to let Jim and I take the lead. You know, it's been a semi-quiet week, but not completely quiet. Um, but it's been just so hard to get out and enjoy because there's been so many things going on. Um, you know, we wanted to watch the Stanley Cup. And, of course, I don't have tickets to that, so I had to do that at home. So there was some home cooking and stuff like that. The occasional uh, Starbucks cake pop found its way into my bag <laughs> if I was running around during the day. Oh, man. And I am forever saying goodbye to Jack in the Box. And I don't even have to expand. I'm just letting Rich keep the fast food thing. What took you so long? I thought I had said goodbye to fast food a <laughs> long time ago. And it was a short version of the story. I was craving spicy chicken. It was right in front of me. I took it. And I regretted it later. It just was not good. It didn't make me feel good. It wasn't the excitement of going to, say, Half Bird and getting a Spring Mountain hot chicken, which I should have done. Mm -hmm. I was only a few more miles away. So, yeah. But I did get to support somewhat more locally the few times we did do something in all the chaos. And so what we did is popped into what they call themselves, they call themselves this, Your Neighborhood Tavern, Rustic House in Boca Park. Have you been over there yet? I have not been over there. Where in Boca Park is that located? It's over, they took over the Three Angry Wives in Boca Park. So it's facing Charleston, not far from Starbucks, actually, and the T-Mobile area and stuff like that. Um, It's part of a chain that owns Al's Garage and a few others. They took it over some time ago, but it took me a while to pop in. I think I might have mentioned I popped in before, but this time I actually went in, I sat down. I really, really appreciate that their patio is dog-friendly, so that was really good for me. Um, I had a burger, I had a salad. They call it the double wedge salad, and it's massive. It can feed four people easily. I took some home, for sure. 
Uh, but this burger was juicy, seasoned nicely, and I would definitely spend more time there for easy bites. The drinks aren't expensive. The vibe is pretty chill. And it is, as they say, in the neighborhood. It's in your neighborhood. Oh, man, I'm digging more into this taco <laughs> as you talk. I know. It's, it's so it's good. It's so fucking good. And this green, uh, like, pesto-y kind of sauce on oh. it. We're going to have to hear more about that from Chef Scott. Oh, I can't wait to hear more no. about it. Where else have you been eating? Um, I popped into Dom DeMarco's um, on Charleston near Wallapai. And you, I am a fan. I like you, Dom DeMarco's. You almost can't go wrong there. Like... The thing is, for me, it's lovely. It's not my favorite pizza place. I'm not sure I have a favorite pizza place, but it's it's not the first place I think of. But I hadn't been in there in a while. It is one of the best Sicilian pies. It is town, really I good. Think, yeah. Did you have a Sicilian? No, we had Luca's pie with the smoked mozzarella because anytime you smoke food, but especially <laughs> smoked cheese, there's just you've got me. You, I, it's a thing. I haven't had that one. Um, good. I, really, really tasty. Um, loved the smoke. It wasn't too heavy on the cheese. Sometimes I don't know where they get it or if they do it themselves but some places you know they're adding the liquid smoke on top of trying something else and it's just overly done this was not that it was really really delicious also had the eggplant pizzettes which is kind of like eggplant parm and pizza but without like all the pizza dough and stuff like that they're yeah. little eggplant pizzas yeah i had never had those until <laughs> you know our friend um mitch schneider who's yes. the writer and longtime. Mitch. Um, music journalist and a writer here in Las Vegas now, and recent transplant. He loves to throw parties at Dom DeMarco. Yes, he, he does. Has little people meeting people get yep. togethers, and he does them there. And I had those eggplant things at a few of his parties. They're so delicious. And they're really good, man. <laughs> they're really good. Check I them out if you have I could just eat plates and plates of that and be just fine. Give me some great wine to go with it, and it's perfect. Cool. Uh, and then we had a Mediterranean salad. Everything is super fresh. Like, I'm never mad at a salad at Dom DeMarco's. Um, you know, from the way the lettuce is cut, so it, I don't feel like I have to tear it myself as I'm eating through it. The, the knife cuts of all the vegetables were really great, so I just really enjoyed that. That was a really nice meal um, for having not stepped in there for a long while. Trying to figure bro broccoli crunch salad Ooh. with crispy wontons arriving. They, they figure we need some more vegetables in our yeah. lives. <laughs> um, and then I got salt and straw this weekend, but I admit it. I've been admitting it on the show. I've always been honest. I had it delivered. I was not waiting in those lines. <laughs> I saw all the social media, which made me want it. And John and I talked about it for a minute. And, you know, I have to admit, you know, having this is birth month. This is my birthday month. Um, and getting older, the whole, that's a lot of dairy. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided to try, which we don't usually. We got all four vegan options that we could find, at least on the online menu. And they were amazing. So I, it's super shout out to Salt and Straw. They were really delicious. They're a little expensive, um, $13 a pint. But again, I also know that people adjust their prices for online because they have to make up for it. I totally understand. Yeah, so those are delivery with third-party delivery service prices? Yeah, yeah. those are third-party okay. delivery service prices. So, so take that into consideration. I always try and make sure I note that. Um, and I'm willing to pay that extra price because I know how much they're paying for me to use that service. Um, but we got things like malted chocolate barley milk. We got salted caramel and Okara cupcake, which I don't know what an Okara cupcake is other than to tell you it was delicious. Oh, not it an was, okra cupcake? No, I, I spelled it correctly. <laughs> okay, um, I just thought it, it was okra. <laughs> it was this sort of caramely cookie dough sort of bite inside the, the ice cream. It was really good. Um, and then this peanut butter brittle caramel fudge. They've got these long names. And my favorite by far, the freckled mint chocolate chip. And as much as I like richer flavors and the decadent foods and things like this, this one was my favorite. It's super light. The mint isn't overly uh, anything. Sometimes, you know, it comes off medicinal and it was not that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, shout out to Salt and Straw. I can't wait to walk in and actually get one in person. Um, but, uh, yeah, really, really great bites this week. Yeah, and I, I was actually there myself, by the way. This, this salad's really good, very spicy. Ah, the broccoli, yeah, yes. It's not going to be easy to eat while we while we record, <laughs> but that's okay. We don't complain about that shit ever on this podcast. No. Uh, I should say I also visited Salt and Straw twice. Uh, the first time I left because the line was too fucking long. Exactly. I mean, it was all the way around the corner. And, I mean, just I put it on social media. You can take a look at it. Um, and, by the way, there's the the, um, the Sundry, which is not that far away yeah. in Uncommons, has yeah. their own really cool ice cream place where nice. they mix it up with liquid nitrogen right in front of you. So oh, if wow. you ever don't want to wait at Salt and Straw, you can go over to the Sundry. But I did go back to um, Salt and Straw a second time. I wanted to get it takeout. Um, 
The line was much, much shorter. It was only inside the building. And then if you're getting in the inside the building line, you can actually cut to the front if you're just getting a prepackaged pint to oh, take home. Okay. So you don't have to be behind all the people who are staring and trying to decide That's what kind of cone know. that they want and all that shit. So, yeah, if you are... usually I want to take it to go. I don't right. want to eat the whole thing right then. So <laughs> you can't get them to make up a, like a, a bowl or a sundae or put toppings yeah. or any of that shit. But if you just want a pint... Man, pop your head in, go, and just take your pint right I up to the like front. I like this tip. I would definitely, yeah, there you go. Hot tip for Hot the day, tip. man. <laughs> um, you know, there are five flavors this month. Are all The flavors of the month are all made with upcycled food. Okay. That's a trend that was really big, if you remember, at this year's Fancy Food Show. The yes. idea of taking what would normally go as food waste and using it to, to make something. So, you know, if they say it's hot at the fancy food show of five months ago, now it's a salt and straw. That seems like a natural fucking progression, really, to me. Um, so I ordered the day-old bread pudding with chocolate ganache, and, man, I immediately fell in love with this. Oh, that sounds amazing. Uh, it, it was just really, really good. But, no, I would not wait on that line no. for it. I don't wait on line for very many things, and I, I'm just impatient. So yes. Uh, my friend Savile gave me a call this week, told me he had a restaurant he really wanted me to try, and he invited me out to lunch for, for lunch there. It's um, Kase Sake and Sushi on Jane's at, yeah. on Jones at Russell. Um, I've actually been seeing a lot about this place on, on social, social media. I think it might have been Vegas Phil who first brought my attention to it. I could be wrong on that front. Uh, but I've been wanting to try it because the prices are absurdly low for quality sushi, and it almost seemed too good to be true. Um, so I paid a visit with Savile. We had what they call the seven-course umori omakase menu, priced at thirty-nine bucks. Uh, that's the most expensive tasting menu on the menu. Thirty-nine dollars. Tasting menus, thirty-nine dollars. Well worth every penny. Mostly nigiri, fantastic fish, treated with respect. Brought to the table just a few pieces at a time, so they're super fresh in their cut, right, and in their forming on the nigiri. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a meal like this priced at twice as much at other restaurants here in Las Vegas, and I probably wouldn't complain if it were this good. If it were, I'd be willing to pay twice as much. <laughs> um, so I give this place my highest recommendation, for whatever that means to anybody out there. However, with that said, I do have a few caveats to mention. Please. And this is the thing. No, places can be great, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to bitch about them. But um, it's not really a bitching. It's just me making note of this. Um, and these have nothing to do with the food, the service, or the pricing, which are all great. It's all about vocabulary. And I only bring it up because there's literally nothing disappointing about this place. But I do worry that the way the menu is written, some may end up disappointed. Okay. Right? So um, just to help you with your expectations going in. Um, yeah, let's start with it. They call this place a casual omakase experience. Okay. And while they offer a la carte su sushi, it's mostly about the tasting menus. Okay. They offer four of those described as follows. A haban, which is a, quote, four-course tasting for $25. The nami, which is a, quote, six-course tasting for $33. Umori, which I had, which is the seven-course tasting for $39. And then the yasai, which is a six-course vegan tasting for $27. And um, honestly, I'm just not sure how ho helpful those descriptions really are. Okay. So let's do a little vocabulary. Let's live and learn. Let's, um, let's you know, let's do try it. to be educational here. Omakase. You know, we all know the Nobu model of right. what an omakase meal is. And honestly, in many ways, that's a lot closer to a French degustation menu or even a Japanese kaiseki menu. Mm -hmm. um, because it's coursed out. It's done in a very a structure. Um, and when I was first introduced to the term omakase, I mean, even as far as back as when Nobu was first starting to do it, like um, in L.A. and places like that, omakase was really just telling the chef that you'll have whatever's fresh, whatever is right. on the menu, whatever, whatever he thinks is good that day. Yep. And it's basically you're saying, I put myself in your hands to the chef. Uh, that's a loose translation of what the term means. Because of Nobu, we've gotten into this idea of this very structured thing. The nigiri usually comes last or second to last in his structure. People are used to that. This, the four omakase menus here, are actually very much closer to a more traditional one. Okay. okay? They're, they're not that coursing. But each of them actually lists on the menu exactly what fish you're going to get. So, again, not so much of an omakase. You, you can see what you're getting yeah. before you do it. Okay, so, you know, if I'm going to nitpick, that's me nitpicking over vocabulary, and I'll take, I'll take that criticism. But if I am going to nitpick, I also think the description in the number of courses is a middle, little misleading. Um, some courses here are three pieces of nigiri that come out on a plate. Okay. Some courses are four pieces of nigiri that oh come out goodness. on a plate. Um, two of my courses were each a single hand roll. 
Um, one of my courses was a small portion of salmon sashimi um, with just three slices. My seven-course meal was actually a salad, a three-slice sashimi of the same fish, ten pieces of nigiri, and two hand rolls. Wow. So that uh, where you come to seven courses for that, um, I don't know that that's what I would call a seven-course meal, but they came out in seven Coursing, right, right, okay. um, which is good because it actually does say something. And if you're a sushi snob, I think you're going to agree with me that when you eat sushi nigiri, where the chef is just passing it directly over the table to you, or just bringing out one or two after they're made, right. or three or four after they're made, and then continuing to make the others, they do taste fresher. The rice doesn't yes. get that dryness to it. The, um, the that light brush of the sauces, it definitely, you know, it works better in that situation. So I like the way they course it out. I'm not complaining about it. I, I love the pricing. I'm just saying that when you read the menu, you may be, it may not be exactly what you think you're setting yourself up for. So, you know, with that warning in mind, go out there, check this place out. Um, it's, it's really fucking good. And it's a great, great bargain compared to what you pay for sushi elsewhere in our town. Um, I went over to a taste of Asia, which is a new pan Asian place in the sun coast. This comes from Carrie Hung, um, formerly Carrie Wu. She was married to Kevin Wu. Yep. Um, you may know both of them from Noodle Asia in the Venetian and from Ping, Ping Pang, Pang Pong, Pong in the Gold Coast. Yep. I actually didn't know that those two had split as a couple, so you know, sorry to hear that. Yeah. But um, So she is now on her own with this new place, A Taste of Asia, in the Sun Coast. It is pan-Asian cuisine, an all-day dim sum. I asked Carrie to explain what's going on, and here's what she told me. I'm bringing my signature dish from my previous restaurant, Noodle Asia and Ping Pen Pong. It's time-tested for the past 20 years. I'm making the selection that will please American and Asian, so uh, still keeping our authentic taste. So I want to bring our community and welcome everybody come here to join us in Summerland. I'm bringing Chinatown to Summerland and save everybody live around this area 20 to 30 minute drive. Okay, next up, I had dinner on the patio of Ocean Prime during the VGK parade. Um, Sue and I were joined by Rick Moonen and his wife, Ronnie. We started with sushi and some oysters. Um, Rick and Sue both had massive portions of lamb. That was delicious. Ronnie had chili and sea bass with broccolini, potato puree, and truffle vinaigrette. I had some Alaskan halibut with lobster mm. gnocchi um, and spring peas. I'm really into spring I peas, which is why I'm, liking, <laughs> why I'm liking these spring peas yeah. they brought out to us today, man. I'm just... I'm loving the, the peas right now. Um, uh, what else did I have? Uh, I lost my I lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> so that, that was basically it. Everybody really enjoyed their meal. I got to say, the view on that patio cannot be beat. Um, and you see some of my pictures. You know, I could oh, watch yeah. them marching down the strip, holding the cup. It was fantastic. Um, the prices, considering the location, are really not bad at all. Okay. Now, keep in mind, I said considering location. We're front and center on the Las Vegas Strip. Seafood entrees, all of which came with sides included, ran from 49 to 59 bucks. Steaks were between 65 and 125, which is what you pay for a steak on the strip these yeah. days. Um, and we have a short interview with the founder of the company that owns Ocean Prime coming to you in the middle of the show before we sit down with our hosts here. Uh, but before we get to that, I should say that I parked my car at Mandalay Bay that day and I had taken the tram to Toshiba Plaza to soak in a bit of the energy. Yeah. While I was in Mandalay Bay, we dropped into Flanker along the way. I had a Rocky Road milkshake and Sue oh had goodness. some spinach artichoke dip. All good. The barman was exceptional. Um, fuck, I'm forgetting his name. I'm singeing here. But he was a longtime bartender at Rosina. Great bartender. Uh, Samia Steve Geddes was also on property overseeing things. So, Flanker, just a little bites there, but we had a good time. Uh, Sue and I paid a visit to the Sundry at Uncommons. As I mentioned, we had dinner at Mizunara, which was um, also really good food. Now, if you don't understand or if you haven't really checked out uh, the sundry in, Ocom in Uncommons. There are the 13 main concepts, which are communal, and you order from all of them from one app. Oh, cool. And wherever you're sitting, you scan the app, you order it, very similar to what Vegas T Test Kitchen okay, did. Okay, yeah. But then Mizunara and then also um, the, the Taqueria, which comes from um, Roy Gar Ray Garcia. Yeah. Those are both sit-down restaurants. We sat at the bar, the whiskey bar at Mizunara, and we just had some, some hand rolls. Really good food. But I do, I'm curious how you feel about this. I'm getting really sick of this, the um, the the foo foo hand rolls that are just wide open, like they don't actually oh. roll them. There's no rolling involved. No, it's uh -uh. just a, like a taco, right? A nori taco. I, 
And the first, I don't know, 50 times I had them, I liked them. They felt really cool. I felt like I was doing something very fancy, very nice. And the more that I eat them, I realized that a good old-fashioned rolled hand roll in a cone, it's so much easier just to Give take more that. bites. And your, your food can fall into the cone instead of falling onto you right. when so you're a sloppy, the, messy eater like me. When that got really popular for a while, I really sort of, it, you know, it took me back to, you know, college days. And I just kept wondering, are they handing it to me to finish? Like, do I need to lick one edge and roll it yeah, tight? Yeah, right, like, like a joint? <laughs> Here, roll the joint. If I had to do this myself, I mean. Yeah, so like they're doing it that way. I get it. That's what every hipster likes these days. And, and, you know, why though? It it goes everywhere. The food falls out either side, no matter how hard you try. So this is us (laughs) kind of complaining more about a style of food that's very popular right now and not about this restaurant. No, I'm sure it's delicious. And you said whiskey bar, so now I have to go down there. Yeah, great whiskey, good cocktails. Um, They got a little trailer (laughs) bar that you can set up. So I do like that. But, and, you know, I'm honestly. Honestly, hoping that one of my friends who's a sushi chef, maybe somebody like Dan Cromer out there, hopefully listens to this show, can tell me, you know, like, is there a tradition behind this? Is there something I'm not getting that this has just suddenly became I think we just need to get Dan back on the show. We do. We definitely do. Dan, if you're listening. Uh, what more, man? Sunday afternoon, I paid a quick visit to the Lemon Tree Cafe, had a couple of really good sandwiches. Sue fell in love with the shop, lots of the high-end ingredients, including um, the many types of caviar available by retail. Um, and I think that's about it right now. Yeah. Okay. I like the Lemon Tree. We popped in probably like a month ago. I know that they're still building the grocery side of things. So I felt it was a little scant, but I like to hear that they're adding more and more stuff. We really enjoyed the pastries and the coffees and the teas we had. They let us bring in the dog. She was in her little carrier. <laughs> and we just sat in the sunshine and enjoyed the space. I like that it's nice and bright. So and I'm really glad Buffalo, you got over there. in the Avora Complex. Yep. Um, and Basilico is around the corner. In, um, on Buffalo, just a touch north of the 215. And I was happy to learn that that was not the um, unbuilt complex that was on fire. That, that was on fire yesterday? So, oh, uh, my God. I, it took me a little while to find <laughs> out, but I'm glad to say it was not them. So cool for them. Yeah. Not being on fire. Not being on fire. Um, hey, coming up later in this episode, Guy Fieri, Martin Yan, and Solamente Pizza and Down to Earth are in the news. And we sit down with Carson Kitchen's manager and chef in just a few minutes. Yes, and um, yeah, we'll be sitting down with Andrew Weintraub and with Scott Simon in just a few minutes. But first, I sat down with Cameron Mitchell, the founder and CEO of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants, which owns and operates the Ocean Prime chain. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast, restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Want more? Ah, uh, we got more. Find me every Thursday morning around 810 on The Club, AM 670 KMZQ. On TV, you can find me Mondays around 830 AM on Wake Up With The CW. And the Neon Feast updates happen all week long on all of the highway radio stations all over your FM dial. The Vibe, The Drive, Highway Country, or go to highwayradio.com. Cameron Mitchell is the founder of a namesake restaurant group that owns and operates the brand new Ocean Prime on Las Vegas Boulevard. And he and I recently sat down together to discuss the place. I began with a very simple question. 
in a city of so many restaurants, what makes Ocean Prime something that people should get excited that we have a new restaurant coming to Las Vegas? Well, I think first and foremost is our location. Right on the strip there, right between Aria and Cosmo at the corner of Harmon Avenue and Las Vegas Boulevard. I'm not sure there's a more iconic corner in the United States. So, uh, And the view we have with our 130-seat terrace over the strip and uh, the uh, great food and beverage and uh, high-end steaks and seafood and our beverage program that we're bringing to Las Vegas, I think, um, uh, is... Uh, uh, right up there, we'll be able to compete with a lot of the other restaurants here in Las Vegas. You you hit the nail on the head with that location. That's an unbelievable location. It really feels like the center of the universe at some points when you're sitting there. And to have, for those who are listening, this it's overlooking the corner of Harmon and the Strip, which is just, it's almost Times Square. I mean, in many ways. Um, so how did you luck out and get that space? Well, uh, luck out is a good choice of words there, I think. So we've been wanting to come and be in Vegas for, I've probably been looking for 10 years now at least. And we've looked at Summerlin and Henderson here. We've gotten close here and there on a deal. But um, we try to be patient and look for iconic locations in, in markets that we haven't been in yet. And, you know, we're in Beverly Hills right there on Rodeo and Wilshire. And we're New York City and Manhattan at 52nd Six, And uh, here we are at Vegas at the corner of Harmon and... Uh, Las Vegas Boulevard. So, uh, we met the landlord one night. It's a joint venture partner with uh, New York, uh, partner out of New York, and a partner here in Vegas. And they took a liking to us, and we took a liking to them, and and uh, um, we decided to do a deal together. So we're excited to be here. And it's a new building, so you're going in from scratch. So did that give you a lot of freedom to design your dream building? Well, it was something special and also something more, much more expensive. <laughs> okay. So uh, you got to take the good with the bad. But yes, we, uh, you know, we we spared no expense. We spent almost twenty million dollars on this restaurant, and uh, it's our most expensive and our biggest restaurant to date. And you know, uh, in Vegas, you know, got to go big or go home. So we decided to go big. I know you have locations, dozens of locations around the country. I'm not sure if they're around the world. Forgive me for not saying that. Coast to coast. Coast to coast. Okay. Um, so a lot of people are already going to be familiar with, with your restaurant. But for those who aren't, what would you tell them to expect? What kind of restaurant is this? Well, Ocean Prime, its name is, is we take, it's the marriage of a fine dining steakhouse with a fine dining seafood restaurant with a great cocktail program and, and great people delivering genuine hospitality. So you bring all four of those together and hopefully we create a dynamic restaurant that people are really going to want to enjoy and time and time again. I often say that Las Vegas probably has 30, 40 steakhouses that would be among the top five in any other city on earth. Uh, but here, there's a lot of competition. And in a lot of ways, um, steakhouses, not all of them, but some of them really succeed by finding a niche for themselves. You want old Vegas, maybe you go to Circus Circus. If you want a nightclub vibe, you go to STK, something like that. Is there a distinct niche with, which is within the steak and seafood world that you're trying to um, kind of corner with this restaurant? Oh, I, I think so. I, you know, um, typically a, a great steakhouse has got seafood component to it. There's no doubt about it. But they don't have the level, the depth, and the breadth of seafood that we have as combining a high-end seafood restaurant with a high-end steakhouse. So it creates uh, a lot of options for our diners. If you want to get that standard eight-ounce filet and, you know, baked potato and vegetable, you can do all that. But if you want to get, you know, fish uniquely prepared or sushi or, you know, caviar or some of these other things that uh, and unique, all the unique sides we have uh, and the great salads and the raw bar, uh, we offer that component too. So it's something for every everybody, and I, th I think. So um, I was just lucky enough to get a copy of your book. I have not had a chance to start reading it, but I have been leafing through it. And, um, you know, one thing that I noticed was that you, you kind of credit the restaurant industry with sort of helping you make a go of things, right? With, um, with preparing you for life, getting you out of maybe, you know, a, a tough situation. And I think that's really important because a lot of people talk about uh, the food and beverage world and they think of it as chefs are the new rock stars, right? And they think it's, you know, this thing to aspire to, like being a musician, being an athlete. But the truth of the matter is I've known so many people that once they get a job in a restaurant, they, that just gives them the, the nuts and bolts that they need to succeed in life. And that seems to be something that you have not only experienced, but you've tried to make that part of your corporate culture. Could you speak to that a little bit? Well, sure. I, I, you know, the restaurant business, I think, saved my life. I was a high school dropout and run away and got a job as a dishwasher at 16. And I've been in the business 43 years now. And um, it, 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 it 
provided me with my home. And so one day when I was 18, I had an epiphany working a double shift in a restaurant and it was very, very busy. And I said, I just love this action. I want to do this the rest of my life. And I want to be president of a restaurant company. I never aspired to open my own restaurant. I never aspired to, I went to culinary school to be a great executive chef, although I was. If I may, you went to CIA, correct? Yes, I did. And, uh, so, uh, but my goal was to be president of a restaurant company by the time I was 35. And I worked for a small company in Columbus for uh, six years and we had six restaurants by the time I left and I oversaw the operations for that group and um, but I hit my head on the ceiling and and had another epiphany and one day I said I'm gonna start my own restaurant company and that's what we did and uh, we're opening up uh, a a fine dining restaurant in Columbus uh, next month in July uh, called Cento and and, uh, Cento in Italian is 100 and that's our 100th restaurant we've opened since we started the company in, in 1993. So I've achieved my goals of being president of a restaurant company. And as we're doing this, you have um, you know a training session that's about to get started in the, this ballroom. And I, I look, the tables are huge. It looks like there's going to be <laughs> dozens, if not hundreds of people in there. I've spoken to some people on your team. I know that you're bringing in a lot of people from your other restaurants, people that are excited about coming to Las Vegas. How do you adapt for a city like Las Vegas? What is, or do you not know yet? Are there things that are unique to this town that, that you're learning now as you try to adapt um, from what's been successful in other cities? Well, I think um, as we go into any new market, you have to learn and adapt along the way. But uh, most importantly, what we want to do is come in and do what we do and do what we do best. And so uh, we focus on that first, and then we adapt along the way as certain things come up, uh, you know, uh, you know, same issue when I opened in New York City. I was, you know, very nervous about New York City and all the all the uh, competition in New York City. And but you know, when when it, when the dust settles, uh, if you if you're a great restaurant and and you're great people delivering genuine hospitality and you deliver on that guest experience and that guest expectation, day in day out, shift in shift out, then ultimately you become successful. A story that I've heard about you and about this company that involves milkshakes um, reminded me very much of, of one of my own trips to a place where I tried to order a non-boozy milkshake and they would only serve me boozy milkshakes. And I like I trashed them in an article that time. But I, I hear you've had a similar experience and it's really made it into part of the, the corporate identity. Could you tell me your milkshake story? Sure. We always, since day one, part of our culture has been yes is the answer. What's the question? And we define ourselves as great people delivering genuine hospitality. We started the company, opened our first restaurant in 1993, but we fast forward uh, to 2002. I was in a local restaurant branch of a chain uh, in Columbus where I'm from with my wife and my kids and my in-laws and Saturday afternoon and uh, my son wanted a grilled cheese sandwich and they didn't have a grilled cheese sandwich. So I pulled a Jack Nicholson from Five Easy Pieces. I said, I'll the club sandwich, hold the turkey, ham, lettuce, tomato, bacon, middle slice of bread. And if you could saute what's left in a pan on both sides, I'll get it. So I said, okay. Got it. And I, I asked for a chocolate milkshake, a small chocolate milkshake for him. And um, he's four years old at the time. And my young son was one and a half. So he was, you know, he wasn't participating with all that. But anyways, uh, um, and the server said, no, I'm sorry, we can't. Uh, all we have is a Haagen-Dazs like milkshake. It's like a quart of ice cream. It's way too big. We can't do that. So I asked her to ask her manager. The manager, I see, shake her head no. She comes back and says, we can't do it. I said, will you have your manager come over and see me? And the manager comes over and says, uh, we pre-portioned the ice cream, and we just, well, if we made a small shake for your son, we do the rest. And, like, I don't care uh, that she's pre-portioning ice cream, A, and B, I know that's not true. No one's in the back pre-portioning the ice cream. I said, okay, well, can I get a chocolate milk? And she says, yes, I'm happy to do that for you. And she starts to walk away. I said, hold on. Uh, they had a, a hot brownie dessert and a, and a warm carrot cake dessert, and it said a la mode, two ninety five. I said, well, what's a la mode mean? She was, well, that's a scoop of ice cream. I said, great. Can I have an a la mode to go with that chocolate milk? And if you could whip it up in a blender for me, that'd be great. And uh, so she uh, chastises me and says, okay, sir, well, that'll be expensive, and relents and goes to get it. So my wife's kicking me. I told you we shouldn't have come here, and I'm never coming back here again. And it was such a simple request. So two weeks later, I'm speaking to a group of 500 people downtown at a business uh, function in Columbus, I'm telling this story how that wouldn't happen in our restaurants. And so uh, about two weeks later, another gal comes up to me on the street. My husband saw you speak and, and wanted to take you up on your milkshake story and went into one of your restaurants, the bar, and tried to order a chocolate milkshake. And they said no. And I'm like, oh, my God. Now, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like Chicken Little. Uh, you know, the sky's always falling. So I go marching into our Monday morning leadership meeting and 
And, you know, our culture is the grout that holds the bricks together, right? And I go, what do, this is, what's not permeating through our culture? Yes is the answer. What's the question? If we can do it, we will. You know, we, we will. And so we started to brainstorm, well, let's make the milkshake the icon of hospitality in our company. And yes is the answer. And that's a great idea. We'll, we started to we'll make milkshake pins for our people. We'll uh, do milkshake uh, toast. We'll make a milkshake on Saturday afternoon meetings for the associates to go above beyond the call of duty. And we all brainstormed all these ideas. All great. Let's do it. And then we said we have a four-hour orientation like we're here tonight going to do for the first day, before the first day of training. All new associates in the company go through that. And uh, so now we make a milkshake, chocolate milkshake, for every person that starts with our company on day one. And then we also start every meeting we have with a chocolate milkshake for everybody, chocolate milkshake toast. And so today we make thousands and thousands of chocolate milkshakes throughout the country every year uh, to reinforce throughout our, our company culture and our company that yes is the answer, what's the question. And uh, we're great people delivering genuine hospitality. Now, is that milkshake on the menu? Uh, no, it's not on the menu, but uh, it's always available. So you know. But at this point, if somebody hears this and goes in and asks, yeah. they can be damn sure they're going to get a chocolate milkshake? Be, yes, I would be flabbergasted if it didn't. We make, they're everywhere, <laughs> you know, everywhere. And the food just keeps arriving, and the people just keep arriving, man. It's getting better and better, our little trip to Carson Kitchen today. Um, Gemini, and, uh, Gemini and I are joined for this segment by Andrew Weintraub, the VP of Restaurants um, for Carson Kitchen here, and also Scott Simon, the executive chef at Carson Kitchen. Guys, great to see you, and thanks for all this food, yeah. man. This is oh fantastic. Oh, my God, the yeah. spread oh, is yeah, amazing. Sure. Great, to, great to have you guys here. Yeah, great to see you, all. It's been a little bit. It has been a little while, Scott, man. It's very good to see you yeah. again. Um, so let's let's talk right now because more things kept coming out. Those venison tacos are the are the oh. rock star hit for me so far. What, what could you tell me about them, Scott? Yeah, definitely. It's actually uh, one of my top hits too. Uh, you could probably tell uh, you're not on TV here, but you can take a look at the midsection and know that I, I kind of hit a little bit of the, the venison taco. Uh, definitely one of my favorites. So we marinate it. It's uh, garlic, uh, high life beer. Actually, we have in there. Uh, we have uh, orange juice, a little citrus in there as well. On top, we have uh, like a, a spicy kind of sweet carrot. It's in habanero. And it also is, uh, so you get like a habanero uh, syrup. So spicy, but yet the sweetness of it. And then the basil cream, which is a goat cheese and basil mixed in there. So a combination of sweet, spicy, the delicious venison. And a lot of people think like, oh, I'm going to take a bite of this venison taco and I'm going to get that gamey feel, the, the venison. But I think you'll agree that you guys kind of, you don't really get much of that. Uh, I mean, you, this is a strange thing because I like gamey meats, game meats to taste gamey, right? Yeah. So like, to me, it tastes like deer and it's as deer yeah. shoulds and I like it. But yeah. yes, it's not an overpowering yeah, not gamey an overpowering. taste. Not at all. Not, not, not in any way. And I think, but what, what I think makes you a great chef and what you do here is that rather than trying to get a game meat to not taste like game meat, you you find um, other flavors that work really well with that natural flavor of yeah. that game meat. And by doing that, you're, you're really showing off those flavors yeah. with the other flavors that accompany it rather than try to either mask it or right. what some people do, which is try to get like a lamb that tastes just like beef, right? Or something yeah. like that. And <laughs> I'm like, why are you doing this? Right. Stop it defeats me. It the purpose a little bit. Like, yeah. Um, but no, man, th those are those are fantastic. Yeah, it kind of well, it kind of holds true to our our philosophy on food here in general, right? Of getting people to be able to eat something or try something like a game meat that they wouldn't normally have in a familiar vessel, right? So, you know, we're doing an asada style, like like Scott said, with the with the orange juice and the season seasonings and and allowing the protein to still shine through, but not put someone off uh, that might not be interested in trying something like venison. Um, and then we, we wrap it all up. It might be a little sacrilegious to some, but I actually prefer the the kind of richer, sweeter flour tortillas than the uh, traditional corn tortillas. Uh, you might I, get with sweet tacos. I, you know, I do like a good flour tortilla, and people always... They, yeah. they just scowl at me when I say that. But I, I do, and I'm, you know, we like what we like, and that's yeah. what I my, like. So it's I'm my with toxic, you. That's my toxic I, trait. I, I think the basil cream, obviously, you get a, a great touch of that too, with that creamy goat cheese in there, and then yeah. the basil hit on that as well. That is really good. Um, and we'll go. To, we'll talk about a few more of these items, but I want to remind people a bit about Carson Kitchen. 
Carson Kitchen, as I was saying, man, this is a restaurant that really gave a lot of legitimacy to the Fremont East District. Um, now, that's, you know, credit where credit is due. Before yeah. Carson Kitchen opened up, which was what, maybe, oh, man, I didn't turn off my just, phone. Or just, over, just over nine years ago, we just celebrated just, our ninth anniversary here. Wow, nine years ago. So at that point in time, giving credit where credit is due, Natalie Young had eat in this neighborhood, and she was doing quite well with breakfast and lunch. Dan Coughlin had the tie, but that was really about it. There were no destination restaurants that made people really, really want to come downtown. And of course, Kerry Simon, the great Kerry Simon, your brother, Scott, right. um, was the one who really gave a little bit of legitimacy, I think through his part, his friendship with Tony Shea, right. was able to get a deal that maybe some other people weren't, weren't <laughs> happy with their deals. He was happy with his, I guess. And um, he came down here, and that suddenly, for, for a lot of the snobs who were saying, like, the Fremont East District is a good place to eat, but, you know, you, you I mean, I'm sorry, good place to drink, but, you know, you just get a bite to sop up the booze. Right. I think Carson Kitchen made it very different and made it worth coming down here just to get food. And your brother, Kerry, one of the founders, he was known for his fine dining chops that he then took and introduced comfort foods with it. And I've said to people recently, you know, you look at maybe what the Voltaggio brothers are doing today or what a lot of other people have done. You know, it, so much of it goes back to Kerry. And he took so much shit when he first opened at the Hard Rock for yeah. people that thought he shouldn't have been doing casual cuisine. Yeah. By the time he came down here to, to um, the East Fremont area on Carson Avenue, I think he really found the neighborhood that matches what he wanted to do. And it just it seems to go hand in hand this elevated comfort food that right. the Kerry Simon's name Kerry Simon had been known for throughout his life and that now Carson Kitchen is taking to other markets right. to well, other places you almost think about uh, where he started out too you know going from what originally a pizza place and then going to CIA right and then from CIA really going to upscale like French restaurants right so a lot of his early cooking was in a lot of hard kitchens in, in French restaurants. And then kind of peeling off from that point, well, he, he ended up at New York in the Edwardian room. He was the youngest chef over there for a little background on Kerry. Uh, and then from that point, going into Miami and then kind of starting some of that comfort food started to add in uh, over there. And that's where I, I came in uh, with Kerry at that point too. That's the early 90s. Uh, and then really, like you said, elevating that kind of comfort food from that point. We, you and I have had discussions in the past quite a bit about uh, the meatloaf, right? Where we saw yeah. that, was the, that was the first uh, time that the meatloaf uh, started to follow me around. And uh, we have it here on the menu, too, a, a version of it. And I think that, uh, you know, that's just like, uh, you know, you, you kind of don't want to follow that dish around for <laughs> forever. <laughs> but it's definitely an ode to him to making like, uh, you know, like this... You know, you've had grandma's meatloaf. This stuff is dry, and yeah. you know, yeah. well, maybe not. Maybe grandma had a solid meatloaf, but for the, the most part, for most grandmas. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. But just a sensational meatloaf, and it's been fun to kind of just bring back, uh, you know, some of that, uh, you know, over the years, and have. Yeah. And, and you it, still have his burger on the menu here, right? Uh, we the just, Iron Chef burger. We just switched it up, but I, that'll come back too. Okay. We, yeah, we so we we've taken a lot of quite a, uh, his dishes in the past. Uh, we see the wok char. We we try to when we do the menu, we try to bring in, you know, at least uh, a couple things, uh, you know, from the past from Carrie. But Obvi you do keep it creative, you know. Yeah, obviously a lot of influence still from Carrie that you're gonna have from me. I was, my entire career has been you know with him for the most part, except for. A handful of years, so definitely yeah. a lot of that carries uh, carries carries with me. Yeah, uh, and I carry carry is so well represented in this town, and so so beloved in this town, even all these years later. Um, and you know, I could sit here and talk to Carrie. I'm not going to, but I could sit here and talk to you guys about <laughs> Carrie for hours. As as Scott, as you know, I mean, you know, Carrie had asked me to write a memoir for him before his death. Unfortunately, right. he died before we could see that published, which is one of my great regrets because the the quotes I had from all of his friends that that said told amazing stories about him, uh, very famous people were great. And you know, the last time I saw Carrie was in Malibu, and I told him that my goal was to. Um, to do a documentary based on his life. And uh, we've been slowly working yeah. on that for, for the last eight or nine years, and I, I, or however many years it's been now, and I still swear one day if I have to pay for it all out of my own pocket and I've got to rent the theater myself, we're going to put that out because yes. he's yeah. such a great part of this town. But the thing I think that is important, and 
and I don't want us to get too bogged down just talking about history because Carson Kitchen has remained a vibrant, always putting new dishes on the menu, always keeping that spirit of life of elevated comfort food, right. but never just resting. And I don't think you'd have been able to expand into all the other cities that you've expanded into. I don't think you've been able really to, to remain cool where you are right now in this spot if a new generation who may never have heard of Carrie Simon didn't discover this restaurant and still love every single thing about yeah. it. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we have a, a great staff here and people that uh, just love the, the food and are behind it 100%. You know, you get everything from the line cooks to the, the stewards. Everybody understands that everybody's an important part. Uh, great chefs here, Lena, Robert, and Amanda. Uh, they do absolutely fantastic work. Uh, so day in and day out, these guys are invested and, and, and they just do beautiful dishes. Uh, a lot of these beautiful dishes we all sit down and talk about. Uh, they come up with the ideas on a lot of this stuff and a very talented crew. So we've been uh, very fortunate to have that. And of course, uh, Corey has uh, awesome ideas. Uh, he's involved in a, on a, a high level of everything. So uh, to put that team together, uh, we've been very fortunate and, uh, you know, we just continue to plow forward with these creative and, and great dishes. And you're, 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 sorry, go ahead, Al. No, well, you're such a landmark in this neighborhood at this point. And I'm curious for you guys how you've seen this neighborhood change in the time that you've been here. Because it's so yeah. easy to forget what a risk this was yeah. coming yeah, really. in here nine years ago. No, yeah. 100%. And, and, you know, I'm kind of new new to the team here. But... Um, you know, I've, I've had quite a few occasions before I, I joined the Carson team and family. And I think it's important to stay relevant in downtown. Um, and, you know, we have this, this post office that's being rebuilt right across the street from us right now with some other food and beverage um, outlets coming in. And, and I think we saw a little bit of a pause um, during the pandemic with kind of downtown and the vibe a little bit. And I think in the last probably four to six months, we've really seen a, a kind of a, a reinvigorated downtown, both culinary scene and travel scene. And, you know, I think that the, the big shiny new hotels down the street with Circa and revamping a lot on Fremont Street has certainly helped keep downtown relevant. I think it was in danger of slipping back to where downtown was, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, with all this new stuff like you kind of spoke to, it's important to, to keep the vibe here, but to stay relevant and continue reinventing the culinary ideals of Carson Kitchen here as kind of a downtown spot and downtown destination to keep kind of pushing that envelope and not rest on our laurels and uh, on our meatloaf, if you, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. I mean, Al, you remember, uh, I, I, when I first got out here, I was probably, geez, I'm horrible with dates, but... Uh, 15 years ago? When was the Hard Rock? Uh, do you remember those days? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, probably about 15, 15 years, years ago. 15 years ago, right? Yeah. When, when, so when Kerry was at the Hard Rock, I, I moved out here in 2001. He was still at um, he was still at Bellagio at the time. He was running Prime Steakhouse. Right. Uh, but then it was a big deal that he was going into the Hard Rock, and I'm feeling like that was maybe around 2002, 2003. But, but when to he throw that Hard back Rock. into the downtown works at that time, you, you remember, you, you couldn't even, they would... Don't even roll around on that side of Fremont. Right? I was just oh, going to no. say. I don't, don't even walk around no. over there. I moved here in 2005, and, and I remember going out at night, and we would not, you would yeah. ask Las Vegas Boulevard to go east of Fremont. Okay, see, here's what's funny. Y'all are a bunch of pussies <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I moved my ass out here from New York City in Brooklyn, and I wanted to live down here so badly in 2001. I begged every realtor in town to find me a place to live in downtown Las Vegas, and they were like, you have to be kidding. There is no place to live down there. And I was like, look, I'll take a converted artist loft. I'll take, you know, something that was a work, work, live workspace, anything. I, I need to be in the middle of the city. And they just laughed at me. Right. Yeah. So I was not afraid of it, but it was afraid of me. I think. I don't know. It was hard. It was impossible to get down here, man. Yeah. yeah. And, no, nobody wanted to be here. Absolutely nobody. And there was such, it was a big risk. And this building that you're in, with it's got this great backyard courtyard, which of course people, do you still serve food out in the backyard courtyard oh, yeah. up on the patio yeah, upstairs? Sure. Right? Most of the stuff uh, upstairs right now, we do events, uh, uh, stuff like that. But courtyard, 100% of the time. It's getting yeah, we, a little warm right now, but uh, we, we got the shielding of the uh, Yeah, we got umbrellas. some umbrellas out there. We, we just... Um, Right around this time last year, we started kind of a renovation on our courtyard out there. And I think it's, you know, there, there's not a ton of outdoor dining options in general, um, obviously, from now until 
you know, Labor Day, you may not necessarily want to do so, but um, it's really a cool vibe and a cool atmosphere, and it, it's a nice change of pace from the... It's it's real. The the building that we're in is old. It has some culture. It has some character to the old it. It's John not, E. Carson Hotel that's building right. is what we're in here. Yes. That's right. Um, not to take away what they do from the from the strip and you know the big and shiny and new with Resorts World and 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 Fountain Blue coming online hopefully in the next uh, in the next few months. But people, I think, more than ever now uh, are looking for that kind of real and, and gritty, for lack of a better word, experience when they go out dining and something that they can, that's unique, that they can share with their friends um, via social channels. And I really think that that's what our space kind of shines in and allows it to do is it's not, you know, a, a white tablecloth, you know, brown chair, black leather booth dining room that you can see anywhere on the strip. Now, more importantly, it is a jeans and a rock and roll T-shirt exactly. kind of thing. Most importantly. I've been admiring yeah. the Wham T-shirt of the, of the young guy walking around passing everything. I, I always <laughs> thought it was funny. And this goes back to the Hard Rock yeah. and to, to Palms and all those places. But they always had people in, I think, rock and roll T-shirts, if I'm remembering correctly. Right. But I always wonder, like, I see these kids, you know, because I'm old, right? Yeah. And, and they're wearing this, like, kind of nostalgic Nirvana on a t-shirt and I'm yeah. like where'd they get that they have to go to Target probably right like yeah. they're just but yeah do you guys do you give everybody a rock and roll t-shirt budget here and tell them to go out and dress up <laughs> hey, what's the what's the story with that You're um, a little budget you know I, I can't open, say right? that, that there's a budget but I will say that we have purchased some backup rock and roll t-shirts should someone fail to uh, to come <laughs> in in the in the proper attire or you know, where's the Taylor Swift shirt uh, too many days in a row? Not to, <laughs> not to uh, anger the Swifties out there in uh, podcast land. But. Yeah, we get some creative ones for sure, right? So we've got, um, we had some more food arriving. Let's go through um, a couple of the dishes that you've brought already that we talked about. What is this with the pork rinds sitting right in front of me? So that's kind of a, a little bit of a twist. Chef Robert put that together. It's a, a kind of a melding of like your classic comfort food, three bean cold salad, and then pork and beans, right? So we have a really vibrant, flavorful green goddess dressing. Um, instead of the hot dogs you typically see with the pork and beans, uh, that's going to have some tasso ham. And then uh, for a little heat and a little crunch on top, we have some, some pork rinds or chicharrones. Um, again, kind of elevated comfort food, if you will, getting something like tasso ham in a oh, yeah. kind of traditional southern dish like a three bean salad is, is definitely not something that you'd see uh, all across the strip. And what are these other two dishes that just arrived? Um, I'll talk to to the baked. Well, let me hit the rigies there. We we uh, you, you see in the past uh, we had the the chicken riggies before we kind of ev even reinvented uh, what we had previously. So known for uh, riggies are known for Upper State New York, right? Utica or something. I don't, I'm, I don't even know. I don't know that I've ever heard the term. And for people listening, Riggies, yeah, what, we're talking Rigatoni. I'm like, I'm looking at pasta, so I guess it's Rigatoni, <laughs> yeah, but I've never short, used short that phrase. Yeah, okay. Uh, so we switched up the, the chicken on there, and we added a, a very delicious uh, rabbit python jalapeno yes. sausage in there. Oh, my God. So very creative. Uh, That's rabbit and python, not a rabid python. No, right? not at all. <laughs> no. Not, so does the, does the python eat the rabbit? No, no. And we, then we, while they, it's they, digesting they are it, you guys just chop yeah. in? Yeah, right? no, they are, they are separate, uh, ground up, and then mixed together. But You're not it's, uh, feeding rabbits to pythons. No, <laughs> no, no. Because that would be fucking cool. And yeah, I would that would be, oh, my God, the visual is amazing. Cost, it's cost prohibitive. So. Yeah. I would pay extra to see that, I swear. Uh, we, we partnered with kind Don't of... Don't we uh, want to piss off a vegan? Uh, we partnered with a company called Sierra Meats out of Reno, actually, that does this product in-house. Um, with ground rabbit and ground python that they have. And again, it's that idea, right, of, you know, if you didn't see rabbit and python on the menu, you would just think this was a, a bomb-ass bomb, bomb -ass baked rigatoni, baked ziti style with some great garlic bread and, you know, uh, a traditional Italian spicy sausage. But um, it's uh, kind of a grilled-off, charred-off version of, uh, of an Italian sausage with rabbit and snake and, and like Scott said, jalapeno. So, um and what's so this other one, Scott, over here that landed in front of me? Can you uh, see that's it? That's our uh, Mexican street corn polenta. Ooh. So wow. You're basically getting a, a deconstructive form of what the uh, Mexican street corn is. Cotija, poblanos and corn mix in there, pickled uh, onions and tomatoes, lime crema. Uh, got a lot of 
bold flavors in it for that sure. Is the street Chipo- corn I Chipotle desire. vinaigrette. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a quite scrumptious twist on, on your traditional elote or street corn that we do here with polenta cake serving as a vehicle. So I had a woman come up to me in a restaurant. I'm trying to eat this while I talk and tell this story. A woman come up to me the other day when I was out, and I guess she found out I wrote about food. I forget forget what it was, but, you know, I'm a food writer, so then everybody wants to hit you with their food writing questions, food questions, whatever. Right. And um, she just said, how much do you love the bread pudding at Carson Kitchen. And I thought back and I was like, I loved that a long time ago. That was one of my favorite dishes. And if I remember, it used to make it with the donuts that were left over from next door at the donut shop. And I said to her, I don't know if there's a version of that dish on the menu anymore because that donut shop closed, right? So what's going on? Is that, do you still do a version of that dish? Well, it's still uh, by far one of my favorite. I mean, obviously, working here it's uh, I'm gonna love the dessert right but mm-hmm. it truly is if I was walking off the street it, it is one of the best desserts I've I've eaten and you uh, still have three, it three rum uh, caramel yeah yeah uh, still on the menu place. where are you getting the donuts now uh well we we got to order we order them in uh, okay. uh order them in now yeah that's yeah because a, that donut clo- the donut it, bar closed yeah. and, right. has, and has Carl's closed, donuts is coming in yeah we we I was in in some conversations at a higher level with Carl and um, with the production that they have here in town, I don't know if they're going to be coming directly from next door, but we are thinking about switching back to the kind of stale Dale donuts from Carl's oh, and the donuts wow. he produces to, uh, to get back to our roots, so to speak. But that, that sounds amazing. Now you're tempting me. By the way, the street corn is fantastic. Um, Thank you. Yeah, we're... Oh. He got stuck there going down. I'm just <laughs> eating so much of it and Please. talking, and I'm not I taking a it. moment to breathe. It's so fucking good. You still make me do the Heimlich on your podcast here. You know the Heimlich? <laughs> got a poster up Mister, I it? actually know Mr. Heimlich. Do you know Mr. Heimlich? <laughs> yeah. He invented that maneuver. Um, guys, this has been fantastic. What else do we need to tell people about before we, we wrap up this segment here? Anything big you have coming up around the corner? Um, nothing crazy big. You know, we have expanded for, for those Las Vegans that make their way up to Salt Lake City. We have a location there that's uh, really turned the corner and doing well. Um, we have a few other projects coming to the southwest part of town uh, that's not a Carson Kitchen. It's going to be a little bit different that uh, I think it's been talked about. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be called Butcher and Thief over in the Bend. And then we are also uh, working on um, one of the... Uh, kind of experiential outlets uh, that's going to be part of the new Huntridge project um, with the Huntridge Theater and uh, and the and the center across the street. And you've been talking about going in there forever. I've written more articles about what you were doing <laughs> in there over the past 10 years, I feel like. Um, is it still, wasn't it supposed to originally be kind of a, a little alleyway, um, Southeast Asian, no, none of that. That's, none of that. Uh, okay, that, none of that. That was decades ago. Decades and, you ago, know, yeah, just, that's... Okay. Pre-truth, we'll say. Yeah, okay, cool enough. Um, well, look, guys, this is fantastic. Thanks so much it's for having amazing. us. You're also in Texas, right? Uh, not in Texas. Atlanta. No. Atlanta. Atlanta. Uh, just outside Sorry. a suburb Sorry. of Atlanta called Alpharetta, Georgia. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, look, guys, thanks for everything. We're going to um, take a short break. We're going to eat some more of this food, and Gem and I are going to come back to wrap everything up. But um, thanks so much for your time. We will be Thank back. Thank you so much. This is Food and Loathing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are all over social media. Just search for Food and Loathing or reach out directly. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And where am I these days? What am I doing? Most important, what am I eating, cooking, and learning? Find out in time at wishboneandvine.com. One more time, that's info at foodandloathing.vegas. And my site, wishboneandvine.com. It is time for the news, although honestly, man, I'm so busy eating. I don't, I, my head is 
so fucking distracted. I'm so full already, but there's so much good food to eat. So you are so the, the pasta's really good. I know you're loving that so, that sausage. Oh man. my god! I, mean, I like it, but you're going crazy on that rabbit sausage. and python sausage, and it's spiced really well. The texture is fantastic. I yeah. just want like links of it to take home. And this um this elote spin, this deconstructed, reconstructed elote <laughs> is just fucking phenomenal, man. With the polenta. The, I, yes. I love these guys. But there is other news. So let there me is. let me hit you with that. Martin Yan was in town this week and I paid him a visit at MY Asia in the horseshoe. And, you know, if you're a f- poker player or you know any poker players, you know that Yan and his restaurant are in the center of the poker universe right now yep. with the World Series of Poker going on in the building. So I asked him about it. How does it feel to be here in the heart of the excitement of the, the, you know, your dead center of the poker world right now? Well, we're excited. You know, the whole concept of uh, NY Asia is entertainment, energy. So we try to create something, what people are coming to Las Vegas for, entertainment. And poker is very exciting. And people coming from all over the country, all over the world. And I think uh, this would be good, not only for Horseshoe, but for Las Vegas, of course, also very good for NY Asia. So are you seeing a lot of poker players in here, and do you maybe have to adjust that they're in a hurry to eat on their lunch break or things like that? That's why we would be a locker in the very beginning, so people can actually grum, you know, grab and go, grab and go. So we have a lot of grab and go. They, they, they're here not for food. They're here to make money, to gamble, to, uh, to, to get that kind of excitement. So we have to kind of modify our some of the offering so we actually have a like a bento box type of thing a takeout very easy very convenient very quick they order they come in here anytime they take it out and explain how the lockers work for those who may not have seen them the locker they can they can play and place an order you know they place an order so we already get it and then we prepare it and then they can come in within a minute and a half to two minutes the food is already there that's pretty cool so i need to know are you a poker player I love poker, but I'm not a very good poker player. In my neighborhood, uh, every uh, so often, uh, my, my neighbors, my buddies, always have poker, uh, a poker uh, game. And I occasionally, because I travel all over. I just came, came back from Connecticut, and I was in Chicago. I was in Florida. I was everywhere. So uh, it's a game from your mind. It's also as a psychic. It's a mental game, and I love it. Any interest maybe one of these years that you'll actually enter the World Series? <laughs> I would love to enjoy and watch the World Series. In fact, a couple of my friends are actually professional poker players, and they're here. So I, I wish them well. And I, I play everything except food. Food is my passion. Food is my career. But every, everything else is a hobby. So I'd love to be a better poker player someday. And while I was at the Horseshoe, I noticed that while the construction curtains are still up at Guy Fieri's Flavortown Sports Kitchen, the place looks very close to complete. I could see the TV monitor showing games in the background. Then this morning, um, as we record, I received an email saying that they're now accepting reservations. I checked out Open Table, and it appears that the place will be open and seating customers on June 29th. And when I posted that on social media, I got a text from our friend Ronnie Moonen. She's over there doing some photo shoots today, and she- <laughs> He sent me some video of Guy coming in via video, talking to his team. I don't know. He was rambling about concerts or so. I probably oh. shouldn't say who sent me the video. <laughs> probably going to get somebody in trouble now. Sorry. No, it didn't. I don't know who sent me that video. Uh, but anyway, so it, anyway it's it. very close to opening. So Flavor Town Sports Flavortown. Kitchen. Um, you know, Guy Fieri, I, I'll be the first to admit, I don't patronize a lot of his restaurants. I don't no. feel like what he's aiming for is always where I'm at and what I'm seeking. But I, I like the guy. I like the way that he's really grown yep. into being a a celebrity that does so much good with his fame. Um, and, you know, like, I may never want garbage can nachos, but he makes good garbage. Like, that's sure. the thing about Guy Fieri. Like, I don't necessarily always want the No, thing I know making. that he's making food that a lot of people want. It's not always what I want, like you said, but um, I love it. And I I think he's got a super fun personality. 
personality for some of the other stuff that he does on top of that. And he just makes it a really kind of fun person to follow. Yeah. And he's a cool guy. I really do. You know, I, I like him. I wish him the absolute best with this project. Um, and I think that this is a sign that it's as if somebody suddenly everybody realized that, um, hey, this is Las Vegas. People here like to watch sports because they have money riding on it. Well, let's put up some good sports bars and restaurants. I mean, with the opening of Flanker, I mean, we'll go back. Uh, let's give Christina Ellis mad props at Ellis Island yeah. for thinking to open the front, front yard. yard. Um, but now Flanker over at Mandalay Bay. Yep. Now we have this going in um, to the horseshoe. And, you know, I think that's great. I don't really, I was never somebody that wanted to sit and watch a game, but, you know, hockey and the Golden Knights have changed me on that. I'm always yep. looking for a great, fun place to watch a game. So, you know, I'm sure that Guy's, Guy's Place will be pretty good for that if you're looking for it so anyway june 29th according to open table you can get a reservation sad news from jesse ray's barbecue apparently a fire has destroyed their valley view store oh my god this was i read it first in the rj and then i saw some posts online about it no word on when they might in a position be in a position to reopen but um we're told the henderson store is still operating so if anyone from jesse ray's is out there and listening please let me know if there's anything we could do to assist you in spreading the word on what's happening or lend a hand any way you can man they're good members of this community absolutely bumped into him at disneyland one time he got on ride of the resistance (laughs) i didn't but that was a whole thing um but anyway um um, yeah, and look, guys, we are sending you good vibes, wishing you good luck as you deal with this, and just glad that as far as I know, nobody was injured. I hope that's the case. Um, and then after team members spent two separate nights celebrating their Stanley Cup <laughs> victory at Win Las Vegas, the resort, and that's in the, the restaurants and in the nightclubs and all oh, that, yeah. the resort presented the Vegas Golden Knights with a chocolate replica of the Stanley Cup I made by it. Win's master chocolatier, Jonathan Whitney, and the pastry chef, Jose Vergen, 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 something like that. I can't pronounce it. It's not virgin, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the life-size replica was made of 58 pounds of Swiss oh my chocolate. God. And finished with silver dust, and it reportedly (laughs) took 80 hours to complete, and that's why I like it. I remember saying the first year that we went to the Stanley Cup Finals, I might have said, you know, they may love Marc-Andre Fleury in Pittsburgh, but they never made a fucking chocolate statue of Oh, my God. We are Vegas, and that's how we roll, man, you know? Um, so yes, oh. <laughs> I hope they're enjoying that. <laughs> that you have some like news so for much us? Fun. Yeah, I just wanted to share that Solamente Pizza and Down to Earth Plant Based Cuisine, you may remember them from Vegas Test Kitchen Incubator. They are opening a shared spot in Town Square. Uh, I spoke briefly with vegan chef Stefan Parker and pizza chef Ethan Spitzer about what to expect. Tell me a little bit about coming out of VTK, meeting each other, how the collaboration came about and this opening of a brick and mortar. You know, really all of the chefs there really worked really well together. Um, It was a really just cohesive symbiotic relationship between all the different entities, uh, which was what was so unique about the whole experience. So um, we were all kind of scrambling to try to find a spot leaving VTK. Um, And me and Chef Parker um, kind of had this unique situation here where we both were looking at Town Square at the same time and this spot for Capriati's had just opened up. Um, and I only need so much room for my entire pizza operation. And he needs um, so much room for his, you know, entire menu of delicious vegan eats. So um, the space just worked. It was really complimentary. We were trying at first to really fit like everyone in here. And then we were like, okay, well, shit, we can't get like four different entities, but really the two of us, could split the space and function still very well. His cuisine is like a high quality, it's like a gourmet casual, and that's the exact feel I'm going for for my pizza. Like we want this all to be kind of like countertop service. So it just lends itself to, you know, both of our, you know, visions. The space just works because um, he doesn't really need the same equipment that I need, and we can kind of divide the space off. So are are both menus available all day? Like if I was to walk in, is it sort of... Well, I'll be here um, for dinner service um, to start off, and he'll be here basically for lunch and dinner service. So you can order off both menus at the same time seamlessly. So try a little of each. See which one you hate less. They're planning to open late July or early August. You can follow them on Instagram for more information at down, the number two, earth, plant-based cuisine, and at Solamente Pizza LV. I'll spell that S O L A M E N T E. That's at Solamente Pizza LV. And that is about it for this week. Big thanks to all of our guests Andrew Weintraub, Scott Simon, um, Stefan Parker, Ethan Spitzer, Martin Yang. 
Carrie Hung. I'm hoping it, Martin Yan, excuse me. Carrie Hung. I'm hoping I'm not forgetting anybody out there. I hope not, but I am super excited for next week because we get to pay a visit to Area 15 to talk about what they're serving up in their bars and restaurants. Until then, with Samantha Gemini Stevens and Rich Johnson doing it remotely, putting it all together for us, making it sound fantastic. We love you, Rich. We miss you, Rich. But enjoy your vacation. I'm Al Mancini. <laughs> Stay hungry.